1: Welcome everybody to episode 114 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Stinell. Normally I have somebody with me right from the ju- the jump, but uh, tonight uh, is a little different. Uh, Cully, um, obviously, you know, sometimes I ride, so- ride solo with uh, maybe producer Steve or somebody else, maybe we have a guest, uh, but this time, however, um, you know, it's a little different. Um, you know, me and Johnny, we have very conflicting schedules and sometimes it's tough to keep up with the demand of episodes and so what you know we decided to do as a team is to bring in a part-time co-host to fill in either when Johnny can't be here or uh to tag along with me and Johnny when we're on and tonight I'm going to introduce you to that person um it's somebody that I've uh you know I I kind of been looking around to kind of like somebody to not to fill a void because there isn't a void but kind of to fill in so whenever we, we kind of consistently give you more episodes rather than just post games, but at the same time, uh, you know, give you a content that is worthy of two goalies, one Mike. So without further ado, I just want to introduce you guys to Buffalo native. He lives on the West coast now. However, Connor Hurley, Connor, buddy, just gave you a solid introduction. Uh, How are you? And um, thanks for, you know, tagging along and joining the show and, you know, obviously we've had long conversations about this, but I'm happy to have you on as a uh, kind of a part-time co-host right now.
0: What's up, Dwayne? Thanks for having me. I've uh, looked after the show for a long time and it's it's a real honor to come on and talk about something that I, primarily the Sabres that I've been following my entire life, but just sports in general. I've been in, working in the sports industry about 10 years. I'm a former goalie myself, a well, current goalie, but played at Syracuse and uh, I think it could be the perfect opportunity. So thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, bud. And um, again, that was obviously there were two big selling points, you know, when uh, we first talked and those those were obviously you're a goalie. That's a big thing. Uh, two goalies, one Mike. But another thing, too, is just your passion, not just for the Sabres, but for the sport of hockey. And, I remember, you know, a few days ago when we talked and, you know, we before we even talked about the Sabres, really, we shot the shit for about 15, 20 minutes. Before we really got into the things and things seemed to flow. Really well, and I can tell there could be some good back and forth here. And um, you know, with that being said, just could you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself? You know, you know your background. Obviously, you said you played goalie for four years at Syracuse, but you know, let everybody know. You know, your up your upbringing through hockey, your upbringing, you know, in, with Sabres hockey, and just you know your upbringing from Buffalo.
0: Yeah, so born and raised uh, North Buffalo. Uh, went to City Honors. Played in two Super Sundays with uh, City Harris High School. Uh, we won one, lost one, unfortunately, and then that parlayed into Syracuse for me. So pretty early on, I, I wanted I wanted to get into sports broadcasting. I always thought that I was going to be an anchor on SportsCenter. That was my dream. Uh, I don't know if you remember the show Dream Job back in the day, but that's yep. what I wanted to do. Uh, and once I got there, I, I kind of pretty quickly realized that I didn't like play-by-play. Uh, I learned to edit. I learned to produce. I learned to write and i would say sophomore year junior year i got an internship at nfl films i did that internship over the summer and that quickly transitioned um into a job at nfl films right after school uh, played there four years obviously but i've continued to play uh in each spot i've been afterwards uh, moved over to nfl network after nfl films uh worked on B- uh, bill's documentary uh four falls of buffalo at nfl films Uh, Bill's Highlights NFL Network, and then I eventually moved over to TMZ, which was a little bit different in terms of my career path, but thankfully they had a sports department. And as of about seven years ago now, I've been working as a PA, an AP, and now a producer in uh, TMZ Sports, and we have a show weeknights on FS1. Um, All the while, I I still continue to play hockey. I play two nights a week in a men's league over where the Kings play um, in El Segundo out here in L.A., and throughout the entire process, uh, my life is pretty much revolved around sports and I couldn't not exist without actually playing the sport as well. So I'm happy. I'm still able to do that at the
1: tender age of 30. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, you yeah, five years younger than me, but, um, same here, you know, I still play uh, men's league. Uh, I, before COVID I was playing in three different leagues. Now I'm just down to one. Uh, and then I play roller hockey as well. Uh, you know, and some pickup here and there, but, um definitely man, just you know, trying to, you know, never putting the yearbook away, just keep playing uh for as long as our bodies will let us and uh obviously keeping the passion alive. And you know, you know, for me, you know, right now this is obviously I, I don't want to say it's a hobby, you know. I take it much more seriously than that, but there's nothing more I love more than talking about the game of hockey and then talking about the Sabres now more than ever since we started this podcast because Uh, you know, for the first time in over a decade, Sabres hockey is fun again. Uh, you know, you look forward to going to games, you look forward to watching games. You actually, you know, revolve your schedule. You you make up your schedule around a Sabres game night, you know, you know, whether, uh, you have to make plans with, with people like, Oh, I don't know about that. The Sabres are playing that night or, you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's definitely since this podcast started, it's been a, a fun ride, but it's never been more fun than it is right now. And, uh, you know, it's 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 this season, especially, uh, you know, with us being one point out of a playoff spot right now, uh, it's definitely been something special for sure.
0: Well, we've certainly earned it, right? We've been through our fair share of misery. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it hasn't been easy being a Sabres fan for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was, I think, I was on vacation in Italy in two thousand seven when I heard the news about Dreher and Burry leaving. I was a, mm-hmm. gosh, a freshman in high school, I think. Uh, just finished my freshman year in high school, and now I'm seven years out out, out of college, uh, well into my professional career, married. Um, so my entire adolescence and my existence as a young adult has been basically the Sabres underperforming and disappointing our fan base. Um, so to see the development now and to see that there's an actual plan, and thankfully we've had a little bit of luck, but I think everything's come together with this rebuild pretty well. Um, so, we'll see what happens from here. Obviously, we're at the midway point of the season, but it's been encouraging, to say the least.
1: Yeah, we're one game away from the All-Star break uh, where we're going to see, uh, you know, Tage Thompson represent Buffalo. Obviously, I mean, the, the All-Star game isn't what it cra- isn't what as cra- You know, it's not what it used to be, at least back when I was a kid. Um, the one cool thing about it is the jerseys this year. A little bit of that old-school, late-90s uh, feel to the jerseys uh, for the NHL all-star game. And then obviously they threw a, like a Miami vice color scheme with it, which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, it, it has been a long time, man, that, you know, this rebuild or rebuilds, uh, that they've been constantly going through with the turnover at coach and GM. And, you know, to finally, you know, Rastus Dahlian, I'm pretty sure you saw it the letter he penned to fans today. And I, I read through that and, you know, it really struck a chord as very heartfelt. You could tell he, he meant every word of it. And, uh, he just seems like a guy who wants to make Buffalo his home, much like guys like Alex Tuck. You know, that he shows the same passion for the city. And that was one of my biggest things with, with the past couple of years: is you know, it's not even just about the product on the ice. It's always about you know, do they do they acknowledge? Do the, Does the team on the ice? Does the organization acknowledge what this means to us as fans and what it means to us for you to go, guys guys to go out there and bust your but Buster ass is on the ice. And then even more so off the ice acknowledge us as fans and what this means to us. And, you know, it's been dreadful the past decade. You know, you, it really kind of started for me on Hashik's Jersey retirement night, where uh, they retired his number and they didn't have a single player that he played with in attendance, except for Rob Ray, who was obligated to be there because he worked for the team. Uh, And they had Danny Gare and Rene Robert dragging his, his retirement banner across the ice to hook it up to, to be hung. It was just, it was very half-assed and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it didn't, you, you didn't really honor the career that Dominic Kashuk did it. If anything, it was dishonoring it. And then it just kind of slowly, slowly started to build from there. And then obviously, you know, you know, and when they screwed up on nineties night, that was kind of like the last nail on the coffin for me. And, you know, and since then I feel Steps have been made to really get this organization on track finally. And, you know, am I in a full believer in Kevin Adams? Right now, yes, I am. Um, I think this deadline and this offseason are big are, are two big uh periods in time for him because many believe that as much as fa- as we as fans wanna believe that he'll make moves that make this team make this a better team in the playoffs, many also believe he'll stand put and he has a ton of faith in this team that he has now. Uh, And I understand, I understand both sides that, you know, the team he has now is very, uh, you know, they're very family. You know, they feel like, they feel like a family, right. But I mean, just because they give you those field goals and there, those, all those good feelings of being a family doesn't mean that, you know, you should treat it any differently than any other team. I'm sure you can say that of a lot of teams in NHL, but still when you're trying to make a playoff push, you're always, uh making making moves to make your team better. I remember Punch Imlik used to say back, you know, first coach of the Sabers, uh, and general first general manager is if I can make a deal to make my team even five percent better than what it was, I'll do it because the whole point of this is to win a Stanley Cup, is to get to the playoffs. And um, you know, I, I'm on the side of I want to see a move made, especially with the cap space you have, uh to weaponize that and you see kind of what Bo Horvat just went. And personally, I think that's a good thing for teams looking to get better because I think Bo Horvat, uh, what should have, should have probably been traded for more. Um, and then again, and he was the biggest piece probably at the trade deadline. He was number one on most guys boards in terms of, you know, desired players. And, uh, you know, now we're getting in, we're about a little four and a half weeks out from the trade deadline and in, in March and, I don't know that I, I, you know, you could be ser- seriously looking at yourself being in a playoff spot come tomorrow night, I believe. I still think we're one point out. Um, I think according to the standings and, you know, after, after the, after the all-star break, I mean, it's crunch time. Every fucking point matters. Yeah. Uh, Horvat was, was chip number
0: one. Chip number two is obviously Timo Mayer, um, who the Sabres have been connected to in the past week or two. Uh, I think, in terms of it actually happening. I think it's Kevin Adams just calling to do his due diligence. Uh, but in terms of the fit, he would be unbelievable in, in the top six. You you slide him in with with Cousins and Paterka or Cousins and Quinn. You might not want to disrupt the top line. But if you were to go out and get a guy like Timo Meyer, uh, a former 35-goal scorer in the league, uh, a current – I think he has 28 goals, um, to fit him in with this offense who was already – one of the higher scoring offenses in the entire league um, that would signal to the entire fan base, to the entire Western Newark community that you're in it and you're not looking to just make the playoffs. You're potentially looking to win a series. Maybe even uh, if you go on a real run, uh, potentially get that third spot in the Atlantic division. Um, yeah. It's going to come at a cost because you got to renegotiate his deal. I think his market value is somewhere in the eight to $10 million range. Um, you've got $19 million in cap space. So if you were going to do it anytime, it could be now, but if Kevin Adams were to get that done, I know New Jersey is competing for it as well. And they also have a lot of prospects and a lot of picks, but if you were to get that done, that would be a seismic shift in the, uh, stance of the fan base and the stance of the team that would signal everything that we've been looking for. I mean, a few years ago when we got Taylor Hall, I think we can all say that we were all very excited. But it potentially wasn't the right time. And obviously, coming out of COVID and what happened with Eichel, it just didn't work out. But if with this current roster and how they're organized, Timo Meyer offensively would be an
1: unbelievable fit. And I personally would love it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I I think Timo Meyer too. I mean, I've always been in favor, and I think I talked to you this about, of, of bringing in another center to really give yourself stability at that position up and down your lineup, at least in your top nine. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of Timo Meyer. Uh, I don't, I still don't know if Casey Middlestead is the right guy, the right fit, uh, for this team's plans long-term. Um, again, it just kind of seems to me that Kevin really has a lot of faith in what he has right now, but that's not to, who's not to say that you can't improve on that, you know, from a goal scoring ability, you already can score goals. You've seen that. I mean, it, it's, I think that's the biggest surprise of this season is this team's ability to consistently score and, you know, being right up there. I think there was like for a month and a half, they were the highest scoring team in the National Hockey League. And the biggest the biggest issue was, you know, obviously, you know, the differential that you would hope you have between goals for and goals against. You know, it wasn't as there wasn't as much of a separation as you would have liked. But now that you're getting stability in net, uh, that obviously that that separation is growing much and much more. And but I think obviously you need more help on your blue line. I see names like Tyler Myers and Luke Shen being thrown around. I, I like the idea of a Luke Shen. I think he, I, I think you know he he adds a little bit offensively, but what he really helps out with is you know stability in your own end. You know he plays a, a tough game. Um, he's not going to take any shit in front of in front of his own net. And, uh, you know, he can move the puck up the ice. Uh, Tyler Myers, we all know what he's capable of. Uh, he has, his game has grown uh, a lot uh, since his time with Winnipeg and now Vancouver. Um, you know, he's a big guy. I think, I think that, you know, a guy his size should play a heavier game. Uh, I know he kind of relies more on his offensive ability and his ability to move the puck, but he hasn't having a terrible season compared to, you know, what Vancouver has gone through this year. Um, you know, the whole Bruce Bedreau, uh debacle, and now with Rick Tockett, you know, obviously they're getting ready for a full scale fire sale. You see names like Thatcher, Deco, Brock Besser, Tyler Myers, uh, Garland, and then obviously, uh, Luke Shen's names being thrown around. Uh, I mean, if you're pretty much if your name isn't Elias Pedersen or Quinn Hughes, you're you're up for you're you're on sale out of Vancouver right now, or JT Miller, and that's honestly only because of the insane contract they gave him. which... Yeah. I think many Vancouver fans aren't happy about Uh, it's their Jeff Skinner, essentially. Um, But, you know, and there's, again, it's just a team that you can, you, you, you can look to uh, to possibly improve your team. So I, I, I personally, I would be upset if Kevin Adams did not make a move at the deadline. I really, really would, because as, as great and as fun as this team to watch and see how they've grown together and become, you know, that hockey family, at the end of the day is a business and business winning hockey games and business getting to the playoffs. And if there's a guy out there that, you know, won't ruin what you have in the locker room and will make you a better team. I think you have to pull the trigger.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think he's going to get him get in a bidding war though. No, Um, no I think that he's going to look at it rationally. And if there's a deal to be made with the assets that we have, I think it potentially could work. Um, and maybe not on on Vancouver, but another guy that's been rumored to the Sabres for years now is is Jacob Chich Chich Chichen, <laughs> Jacob Chichen from the Coyotes. Um, and we'll see. I mean, he would obviously need a new deal eventually too. But he's a young guy. He's a solid defensive defenseman. He can move the puck. He can score for you eventually. Uh, he has in the past. So if if that type of situation finally works out, that could be great too. Another name from the Canucks that I saw potentially connected to the Sabres today. I don't know how much legitimacy there is to this, but Thatcher Demko, um, you're not solidified in that completely. UPL has only come on somewhat recently and he's starting to gain confidence. And who knows how long we'll have Craig Anderson. And at this point, like we don't necessarily know what we'll have in Eric Comrie. If they uh, potentially put Thatcher Demko on the line, you've got Eric Portillo, you've got obviously a lot of other assets. It's not something that I wouldn't explore because he's proven himself to be I would say a top 10 to top 15 NHL goalie when he's really on his game. Also a young guy, also a guy that could be with you for years. So I think that's not necessarily something you, you shouldn't explore and you should, you should shut the door on either because goalie at the end of the day, the Sabres have only been good when they've had an elite goalie. Uh, Dominic Kashuk, Ryan Miller, and we've been looking for the guy since Ryan Miller. Uh, And if Thatcher Dumko is available and you could pair him with UPL and wait until Devin Levi's ready and ready to come up and, prove himself that's not something I'd be mad at exploring either
1: yeah um Eric Portillo is definitely an interesting name because uh I've actually been pretty high on Eric uh I think that his struggles this season um I know at one point the uh the whole the whole Michigan team had like a flu bug run through their locker room and it was so bad it was the point where they were actually dressing their third string goalie as a forward because they literally even ran through their practice squad. Like they had everybody dressing. There was like two week period where they were dealing with that. And then they're just not the same team that they were last year. Obviously when you have five guys get drafted in the first round, uh, I think it was four. Yeah. Yeah. Five, five. Um, and you only have one of those guys return. Uh, it's, it, it's very difficult to be as competitive and, you know, as, as competitive as you were the season before. So their, their struggles aren't without merit. And, Um, now you hear the rumors with Eric about, you know, he might explore uh free agency, you know, coming out of his third year after being drafted, you know, kind of like pulling the Cal Peterson. You have to really, if you're Kevin Adams, ask that question, is this a kid, even though like he seemed pretty content and happy when he was here for development camp, they won the French connection tournament. Uh, yeah, I was in attendance for that. Both him and Devin played out of this world, uh, during that tournament and during that entire camp. But uh, you have to relate ask the question, you know, am I willing to risk not dealing him, you know, come the trade deadline and then losing him for nothing? You know, that is a question I think uh, Kevin Adams will ask. Um, and I think, you know, Vancouver is an organization where he would fit in there because he's a guy that's up and coming. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of great things to say about him. You know, he had a great year last year. He's not having a bad year this year. Uh, they're still winning hockey games out there in, uh, at Yost Arena. So, um, yeah. And then you have Devin Levi, a kid that has been nothing but spectacular uh, nominated for the Mike Richter award again. Uh, obviously another team in Northeastern that isn't as strong as it was the year before, uh, you know, and kind of relies on Devin to always play on his head, uh, in order to win hockey games. So, I mean, you feel like you're setting that you think Thatcher Demko, um, you know, then you're bringing a fourth goalie into this mix. So obviously, I mean, what do you do? You have Eric Comrie signed for, you know, beyond this year. I mean, Craig Anderson, I mean, I think he's earned enough respect in this league to the point where, you know, you just don't trade him to trade him because, you know, I mean, you have to either give him a choice of team to go to, and you got to hope that team wants him. Uh, And I think that that list of teams is very, very small, very small. So that might not even be in the question. And you got to ask yourself, is Craig willing to be – You know, a third goalie, essentially, you know, the guy who's going to work his way into the lineup uh, throughout the rest of the season between Thatcher, Demko, UPL, and then him. It's, it's a tough, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough call to make because Craig Anderson's played more than good enough and proven proven well enough this year that he can still play obviously at this level and play against the best teams in the NHL. Um, Is he built for a playoff run? I don't know. He's 41 years old. So, and UPL has proven that he's good enough, at least for the time being, to be here. So, what move do you make? Do you send UPL back to Rochester come playoffs and roll with Craig? Because you can't send Anderson to the. I mean, you, you you can't you you can't have three goalies rostered come playoffs. You have to have yeah. two, and that's a, that that would be a difficult decision for them to make.
0: You know. Yeah, I mean, in that in that case, in terms of the guys on the roster, it would probably have to be Comrie that potentially would go back. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they would want to do that, given that they haven't had much time with him yet. But at the same time, if you're looking what you have in the pipeline and if it's not going to be Portillo or Levi, then it would be Comrie. And then you have the combination of UPL, Demco, and, and Anderson. And I think yeah. I need to feel good about that. So, no, it's just something I saw earlier that I don't necessarily think is going to happen. But if that possibility is offered, I think, I think it's something worth thinking about. Because at the, at the end of the day, you need good goaltending and – I mean, I guess you can never have too many good ones. You want the guy, but at the same time, like Demko's proven that he can be the guy. So it's worth exploring.
1: Yep. Um, And another thing, too, is obviously uh, more names out of Vancouver. You have your Brock Besser, who is a guy who, I mean, he's not having a season this year that he's probably very proud of. It's not to his standard, but he still has over 40 points. Um, I believe it was like, I think he has 41 points. If you want to look at that, look that up real quick. I, I, you know, he's not having a terrible season, but I mean, who, who in Vancouver is having a good season this year. It's been absolutely dysfunctional. The definition of uh, since the first puck drop and, you know, Bruce Boudreaux was supposed to be the guy to write the ship. Um, I don't really think it was his fault. I think it was more of mismanagement, you know, from the press box. in um, ownership, you know, just from top to bottom, it's just been, it's been just plain awful uh, Brock Bosser, you know, Connor Garland, uh, you know, again, we talked about Tyler Myers and Luke Shen already. So that's a team. I think that, you know, I mean, they have was at Niels, uh, Nils, um, Hoglander. Hoglander, another guy too. I know he's young, but another guy that I would love to love to see what, you know, what it would take to, you know, uh, to, to pry him out, uh, out of Vancouver and let's just, let's just get weird. I mean, like, if you're in a full rebuild, what is, how does Elias Petterson feel about that? Does he want to stick around for, you know, what would it cost for Elias Pettersson? They obviously want him to be the solution for the team, but how does he feel about what's happening right now? And if he's not for it, I mean, obviously we already know it's not of the question to see superstars get traded. We saw it last off season with Jack Eichel here in Buffalo. What would it cost for, to bring Elias Pettersson into any organization? What would they want? That's probably going to be, I mean, you thought it would have cost a lot more for, for Bo Horvath, but I mean, Elias Pettersson a completely different conversation.
0: Yeah, it would take a lot, and I'm not necessarily sure that they're willing to completely mortgage their future. Yeah. Well, maybe they should because I don't think they've gone through a full rebuild like the Sabers have. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if, if Patterson or Hughes would be on the table. Um, definitely not Quinn Hughes, but Patterson at this point. Who knows? Um, Bester's got 31 in 30 and 41. Oh, yeah. Um, four-time 20-goal scorer though. So obviously he's proven. That he can produce at this level. And so it's 40, it's 41 or 31 points? 30 and 41. Uh, So 30 points, 41 games, nine goals, 21 assists. I mean, he's throughout his career, he's been known as a goal scorer. So nine goals, obviously not a great sign. Um, But at the end of the day, you got to put talent around him. And if you put him in that top six, you put him on the second power play unit, you could probably see him producing on the Sabres. A lot of guys have been able to up their games in this offensive system. So yeah, I think, I think Besser is definitely a much more realistic target and a guy who's been connected to the Sabres in the past. So I think potentially that could work out as well.
1: Correct. And I think, you know, I think he only has one year left on his current deal um, after this season at 7.35. So like he's looking, he's looking to get a raise and he's got, obviously the Vancouver is now obviously in a position to give him that raise. I mean, that's part of the reason why you don't pay Bo Horvat, Right. And, and honestly, they probably shouldn't have paid, not, not probably they definitely shouldn't have paid JT Miller, but um, now you have the money to pay for that. But again, the question is, how does he feel all out of this? Does he want to stick around for this? Probably multi-year rebuild. He's, I mean, he's only 24, but at the end of the day, you know, what if this becomes a Buffalo situation where, you know, the, the rebuild isn't, you know, um, doesn't, it takes longer than what you would have liked. You know, it took us a decade to get things right. And they were pretty, even pretty dysfunctional this year. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what, you know, this, you know, Patterson, how he feels and, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm not trying to speculate that they are trading, you know, trading Elias Pettersson, but at the end of the day, you could have the desire to sign him all you want, but at the end of the day, it's also up to the player and how he feels.
0: For sure. For sure. And we'll see what happens. I mean, we have about a month left until the trade deadline. I think it's yeah. March 3rd or early March. So there's going well, to re- be a
1: trade deadline deal though. I don't think that'd be a trade deadline deal. That oh, would- just in general, just like get yeah. rid of him whenever they need.
0: Yeah. I mean, Horvat's obviously a month, uh, a month and a week before so yeah, yeah it, it could happen at any moment. Um, but there will be a lot of rumors flying around in the next few weeks. You, you, you know that, especially coming out of Vancouver. And sure. I think I think Kevin's going to call on all of them. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't think this this uh, letter Dallin put out today was a coincidence. Um, yeah, they're four and one. I think when the building is when they have a sellout this season, um, and I think that's probably a slight nudge from the ticket office, being like, hey, oh you're the guy that gravitates most towards these fans. We play well when the building is, the building is full capacity. Would you want to write something real quick? Yeah. So a friend mentioned that to me today and I was like, yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, I, I know it was very genuine. I know what he meant by it, but for the stretch run of the season, I think tomorrow is probably going to be a sellout. Um, If I had Mm, to guess against the Canes, Given, given seven of eight on that road trip, um, given all of the rumors, given the momentum, end of Bill season always helps. Um, I think I've had multiple pe- people text me in the past three days like, hey, I'm getting back into the Sabres. Like, who should I know about? I know yeah. Dalin. I know Tage. But like, what else is going on? Who's this Owen Power guy? You know, like people are getting back into it. So if you can fill that building up, that goes a long way. And yep. we haven't had that in a long time. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think tomorrow will be a good start.
1: Yeah. And you want to know what, man? Like, there's nothing he said uh, in that letter that wasn't true. No, um, absolutely not. To your point, it definitely was a marketing move. Because if you, anyone noticed right underneath his signature, directly underneath his, there was a link to buy tickets for Wednesday night, tomorrow night. Yeah. So there's, there's no coincidence with that. There, oh, that's smart. Oh, like, sure it is, yeah. The ticket
0: office, the team, like you said, with the Hashik night, the difference between the Hashik night and the Miller night was night and day. They yep. had how many how many guys uh, that played? With oh, Randy. at least
1: like twenty to thirty alumni yeah. that played either, you know, played with or you know, played before Miller. Like whereas you had Danny Gear and Randy Robert for Hashik. And I mean,
0: the arena obviously still needs improvements, but I think that will come with time. But the building hasn't been full consistently since what, 2011, maybe even before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the paradigm has to shift. And I think Kevin Adams and Don Granado and even the Pagulas are starting to realize what needs to happen for the paradigm to actually shift. And winning always helps. And thankfully, the Sabres are finally winning. Uh, they have oh, a lot man. of momentum. They're fun. They're entertaining. Mm-hmm. So
1: sometimes that's what it takes. And thankfully, it's happening now. Yeah, I and... Um, another thing that I saw in there too, in that letter too, is, you know, Darlene made mention that he's really, that they're really happy with the group that they have in their locker room and their family. You know, I'm not saying that's a sign, uh, signifier of, you know, maybe that they don't make any moves or dramatically with a deadline, but, you know, it does kind of tell you, tell you a lot about this team and, you know, maybe how management feels about them. You know, like, you know, we I, personally, again, I don't think this team is good enough to make any Maybe to squeak into the playoffs, I'm not saying they're not good enough, but like, you know, but if you want to win in the playoffs where you got to win, beat another playoff team four times to win a series. I, I mean, I don't know if this team is deep enough right now to do it. Um, there's still a lot of question marks, especially on that blue line. And um, if you're going to roll into the playoffs with uh, <clears throat> Henry Yoki, you as your one of your second line defense or second pairing defenseman? I think you're in trouble. Um which is again, you know, that's been the top of my list in terms of wants is, you know, get deeper on your blue line for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't know, man. Like I, like I said, you know, I was there for Ryan Miller night. That 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 crowd was absolutely electric. It wasn't that hasn't been that loud since RJ night. and they've had some really loud nights this season. You know, bringing back the goat head, which has been just an absolute treat all season long. Seeing them wear that jersey. And, uh, you know, just other, other, other nights as well. Um, You know, even when Jack Eichel came back to town and even though I think we lost, was it six to four and he scored a hat trick? Like it was still, we were losing, we were losing, we we, we were losing late in the game by two. And that place was so loud every time he touched the puck and you could tell it was getting under Jack's skin. It It was absolutely getting under Jack's skin. Um, you saw it in his reactions when he's when he finally scored his first goal, and he, you know, you know, signed at the, you know, at, at the crowd and just kind of gave him a smirk. So, uh, you know, it, that crowd has the ability to affect the outcome of games if you fill uh, fill it to capacity every single home game, which at this point right now, there's no reason we shouldn't.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, if we keep up this pace, I mean, seven of eight on that road trip was unbelievable against four very very good teams. Um. And tomorrow, I think, is going to be a true test. Uh, Carolina will be on a back-to-back. They're playing tonight. Uh, they're playing the Kings tonight in in, in Carolina. And the Kings are – like, I've, I've been to a couple of King, Kings games this year out here. Kings are a very hard-nosed, well-balanced hockey team. And they're going to give them a game. I can I can mm-hmm. guarantee you that. Um, so, they might be tired. Uh, I know they have some injuries. Uh, Jacob Slavin potentially will be out. I think he's – I'm not sure if he was playing tonight. And that's a – huge um, What's that? That's a huge. That's a huge piece for to be out of that lineup. He's he's one of the best defensemen defensive yeah. Yeah. defensemen in the league. Um, Freddie Anderson's obviously playing well, but I think he's starting tonight. So potentially their backup will go tomorrow. Um, but if the Sabers, after that type of road trip, going into the All Star break, on this type of run, were to put up a per- perform performance like they did against the Jets, like they did against the Stars, like they did against some of these top teams that, that have been recently. Against the Hurricanes at home, one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference over the past five to seven years, that would be a massive, massive momentum shift going into the All-Star break. And the way they've been playing, I wouldn't put it past them. Um, I think that they've shown recently that not only can they score, but puck possession, they can control play, they get pucks deep. Obviously, all four lines are playing really well, specifically the bottom six, which we all thought was going to be the major issue coming into this season. but. You know, Poso, Gergensen, Krebs line has been unbelievable. Even Middlestat and Olifson have been good. Uh Tyson Jose has has done wonders for them. Um and we we know what we have in the top six. So getting a consistent per- performance from all four lines has been huge. And I think tomorrow night's gonna be a huge indicator of where they are.
1: Yeah, uh any team that Rod Brindamore coaches, man, they're gonna they're gonna play hard from the first puck drop. And Uh, you know, as ugly of a guy as he is, uh, he he is a phenomenal coach. He's had a phenomenal hockey career, Um, Rod the bod. And, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a physical game. It's going to be a fast paced game. Uh, You know, you're going to want to try and create a lot of turnovers, especially the neutral zone when you can. And um, again, who who is their backup goaltender?
0: I'm looking that up right now.
1: Um, Is it, Anti Ronta potentially? I could be wrong. It could. I I that sounds right. That Excuse sounds right. And he's a solid goaltender. So it's not. Uh, Anderson was uh was injured for a good portion of the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um,
0: let's see. It is anti Ronta. Um yeah. yeah, I mean he's he's got a 255 and a just under 900 save percentage this year. So that's obviously no slouch. Um and they obviously have a oh well. P- Piotr kachakov K- he's a super young guy. I Say saw you've, you've heard of him. Um, he's played 19 games this year too. He's played the most games of any goalie on their team. So yeah. who knows who's, who's it's going to be? But I mean, they've got a lot of talent. They've been good forever. Um, it's crazy in a market like that that they're all. It's they always seem to be a pretty good team, and that that speaks bunch to the jerks. The, yeah, that speaks to to Brenda Moore. That speaks to even the hockey market they've established down there in Carolina of all places. Um, and that's somewhere the Sabres are trying to get to consistently produce, yeah. to get that type of culture. Um, so yeah, for a variety, variety of reasons going into the all-star break, everything else tomorrow is just a massive, massive game. And then yeah. it's fun because like looking forward to games like that, like, yeah, sabers haven't had that in a while, you know, like it, it's one of two games tomorrow night and I know it won't get a lot of national media attention, but around the league, like a lot of people will be watching, even teams at the trade deadline, Mm -hmm. other GMs, uh, people looking to see where this team is right now. And if they're to put together a good performance, it's going to do
1: wonders for the entire franchise. Right, exactly. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll touch on that matchup uh, on Wednesday uh, here shortly as well. I do want to touch on the Islanders because – uh, obviously they've gave up quite a bit to get Bo Horvat, a guy that they've yet. as far as our, you know, it's, our, it's been reported. They haven't had contract extensions, uh, talks with him yet. So maybe this is a situation where they see if he can really push them forward. Maybe that's why they make this deal right now and not the deadline. They want to see if he can, you know, help push them to get them to the playoffs. And if it doesn't work out, then you deal him at the deadline. You know what I mean? He's still a guy that you can deal um or you extend him right now but uh if one of those two things don't happen if you don't extend him or if uh or it or uh, if you if you you need to extend him or if it doesn't work out and you deal him at the deadline if you don't do either of those two things this has to be i uh, mean lose job right like you, you have to imagine he he's really went from a Stanley Cup contending team on the island to I mean, I, I'm friends with a bunch of Islanders fans and I can't tell you how often they, they call for his hat on a pike. It's just like, you know, they, 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 it's called UBS arena, but they call it IBS arena. You know, you're a bowel syndrome because they can't fucking stand attending games anymore because it's just dreadful. Uh, and outside of Sorokin and Barzell, like, I just don't, you know, in terms of your future, like, I, I don't know where anyone else fits in. I mean, Brock Nelson's had a pretty good year, and yeah, yeah. I
0: like him as a player. Um, Anders Lee is it seems to be a pretty good captain. They've got some pieces. Uh, what are they, like 0 for 25 on their last 25 power plays? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like they have any type of direction offensively. Uh, you always know the Islanders is a solid, hard-nosed defensive team. Uh, obviously, Barry Trotz uh, had an identity for them, and, of course, he's gone now, but they have one of the best goalies in the league. And that's a really, really good – it's a really good starting point. Um, really solid defensive system as well. But if you're not able to put the puck in the net, specifically capitalize on the power play, where, where do you think you're going to go? How, do you, how are you going to capitalize on denying your opponent at the other end? Um, Bo Horvat obviously can help. Who knows if he's the missing piece that they need to eventually get over the top. Uh, they're pretty close to where the Sabres are right now. But we, mm-hmm. The Sabres have three games in hand. Um, and Islanders at 55 points, Sabres at 56. So they're right there in the wild card chase too. And they're obviously signaling that they're still going for it. Of course they made, made it to the Eastern conference finals a couple of years, a couple of years ago, but yeah, it's, it's a really do or die move. Um, yep. they didn't necessarily mortgage their future for it. Um, I'm not even sure if Rotzi is one of their best prospects. Obviously Bovillier was a pretty good player. Um, and then a first round pick next season, but at the same time, like, they're signaling to their fans just like the Sabres would be if they got Timo Meyer that they're going for it. And mm-hmm. we're not happy. We're not happy with the rebuild. We don't want to do that. The fans are passionate. It's a huge market. We'll see what happens with it. But like you said, um, this has either got to work out pretty quickly and they got to go on a little bit of a run here, or maybe they just blow it all up.
1: Yep. And I, I, again, I, I personally, we, we talked about it, you know, before that we uh, came on was, I just don't think uh, they got enough or uh, I'm sorry, the Vancouver got enough uh, for Bo Horvath. I thought he could have went for a lot more, maybe, uh, you know, in a different market. I don't know. Uh, but if that's the market, if that's the market price that's going to be set for a top end, you know, forward who can produce, you know, the type of, has the type of production that he has uh, you know, that's a good thing for other teams, I guess. Right. Like, it's like, you know, he thought he was going to go for a lot more. Well, if that's the, if that's what they're going to set the market at this early, then, you know, it kind of makes it easier maybe to navigate and try and guess, you know, what would a player like, you know, Timo Meyer cost then. Now Timo Meyer, um, I thought he was a UFA uh, after the season. Does he have one year left on his deal? Uh, I think he might,
0: to be honest. I looked it up recently like I said check. Um, because I know a trade for whoever trade for him, um, the condition would be that he potentially would want
1: a new deal. I think his mark his market cap is really not what it should be right. Now. I know his qualifying offer is like nine or nine and a half million. It's nuts.
0: Yeah, so he's in the UFA in 2023 from okay, so like this
1: this about. next off season. Yeah, looks like.
0: Just confirm that. So he signed uh yeah four-year 24 million dollar deal in July of 2019. In
1: 2023, 2024 he's UFA, correct? Correct. Yeah. So uh I mean, Timo Meyer is going to cost you a lot more. He's younger. Um, actually, no, is he young, that much younger than Bo? Uh, he is twenty six, I think. Bo's twenty seven. Yeah, so I mean, it's a year age of. I mean, they're both having similar seasons, right? They play two different positions, but they're both having similar season seasons. Um, I mean. They did just kind of set the market – not not set the market for Timo Meyer. I think it'll end up costing teams a lot more. Uh, but they definitely didn't do San Jose any favors, that's for sure.
0: No, no, definitely Timo. not. But at the same time, like goal scoring is goal scoring. Uh, yeah, Timo's consistently proven that he can put the puck in the net and he can create offensively for himself. obviously, Horvat's more of a two-way player, and I think he does a lot more um, in terms of different areas for a team. But for a team like the Sabres – and obviously you can already score goals, but if you can just add one more weapon or even the devils, the devils are obviously. They're they're obviously, definitely in on Timo Meyer. Yeah. Similar similarly built to the Sabres though, in terms of the young offensive talent with, with Hughes and here, sure. Um, adding a guy like that, like
1: that puts you over the top in terms of yeah. what other teams need to prepare for. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Um, And, you know, the direction that the Islanders are going. And like I said, I have friends that are Islanders fans. I'd love to see them make the playoffs, you know, so I can stop listening to them complain constantly about Lula Amorello. But uh, I'm just kind of in awe. I mean, either this is signifying a lot more deals to come or it's signifying like we just spoke about, like, let's test and see how this goes over the next month. And if not, let's blow it all up and see if we can get what we gave up back and plus then some. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I would think that you would get back more than what you gave up for uh, at least you get your first round draft pick at the very least back for what you gave up, you know, with Vancouver in the, in the initial deal. Um, Also transitioning uh, other news, obviously uh, Trevor egress made some, you know, at least according to uh, you know, you know your amateur lip readers uh and some some analysts that he made some very disparaging comments towards uh uh troy stetcher uh during a game uh between uh obviously um the anaheim ducks and the arizona coyotes it was initially speculated that he made a comment about his uh his father that had recently passed away in 2020 uh, due to do difficulties with diabetes i believe but now it's being speculated again speculated that it actually wasn't that, but it was more about his either wife or girlfriend. Uh, now, in the amount of time uh, I've in my life that I've played hockey, either you know on the ice or as a coach, you know there are lines that you don't cross, Connor. Right? Like you just don't. There's lines. There's a fine line that you don't cross. Um, you know, many people who know the story. There's you know a, a very uh, hate big hatred between Jeremy Roenick and Rob Ray. Uh, that I believe Jeremy Roenick touched on in a book about comments that Rob Ray once made about him during a game that Jeremy Roenick just won't forgive. Uh, you know, I'm guessing that Rob, Ra- I'm not sure what those comments were, but I'm guessing Ra- Rob Ray must have crossed the line. Uh, obviously, you know, again, it's been, you know, renicked uh through a source um, in-, in Arizona that it wasn't about uh, Stetcher's father. Um but it was very, very inappropriate. You saw the reaction from Stetcher during that game. He absolutely fucking lost it. So, you know, what are your feelings about what it is or isn't set on the ice? You know, the, the chirping that goes on. And what are your feelings on that line that shouldn't be crossed? And have you ever had experiences where it was crossed?
0: Personally, no. Uh, as a goalie, I try to stay away from it. Um, honestly, if there's any scrum in front of my net, I just skate to the corner. Uh, I never want to put my team in a tough position. I I haven't throughout my entire life. Uh, My dad was a coach and he usually got into it for me. Um, So honestly, I've personally tried to stay away as much as I possibly can. And I'm not even just saying that to sound like a white knight or anything, but like, I don't think it's worth it. And in terms of the guys that do, if you're going to cross the line into something incredibly personal, something that obviously is a very touchy subject, whether it be with, like like you said, Troy Stacker's dad or his wife mm-hmm. or his girlfriend. Like you can talk about a guy's game. You can talk about his team, maybe the even the city or the fans, someone that you don't know personally. But if you're using information that you previously received to personally attack a guy, I think a majority of the population would say that that's crossing the line. Um, personally, mm-hmm. I, I didn't hear the accusations to begin with and in looking into it initially. I, thankfully, it seems like it's been – hundred percent confirmed that it wasn't about his dad. Um, But if it was or anything close to that, I think it's absolutely crossing the line. And a guy like Zegers, like he's known for pushing the limit in terms of what's acceptable in like modern day hockey culture. Obviously he's very fancy. Like he he pulls out different types of moves and celebrations and he's very, very cocky and he has been for a long time. But if you're going to go there, uh, I mean, you're really going to get into something deep that personally affects somebody. I think that's, that's out of bounds. So hopefully that's not the case.
1: Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, not that exactly shades of it, but we all remember uh, in the locker when Sean Avery made the comments about Dion Phaneuf dating his ex-girlfriend, you know, my sloppy seconds, I believe he got it suspended for that uh, and, you know, had to do some type of counseling. Uh, and is this a situation where, you know, this could happen if they find out if the league does decide to like do some type of minor investigation to find out what was said that made, Stetcher loses mind like that. Uh, and do they take, do they take action against Trevor Zegers? Because honestly he's the new face of the NHL, right? He isn't Sean Avery like Sean Avery was a guy that was lucky to even be playing in the NHL. Uh, whereas Zegers is a guy, he's on the cover of the latest uh, edition of NHL, uh, along with Sarah nurse, you know, there's a lot riding on this kid and him growing the game. And this is that this would definitely be a black eye for that. So, I don't know. They, I know they don't play. Uh, they don't play each other again till like the very end of the season. A game that may maybe you know, I I would have like prefer as a hockey fan to see that game that rematch played sooner, because you love. I mean, as much as you hate that that side of the game, sometimes where you know you would rather watch hockey than fighting. That's a game that would garner a lot of attention, right? You know how will, how will the Arizona Coyotes react to, you know what was said, and you know, but now with that amount of time. That'll pass between now and their next matchup at the end of the season. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you know, depends on the positioning of both teams. I you'd assume that they're both nowhere near a playoff spot with the way their seasons are going. So uh, you know, is it a you know, nothing to lose type of uh attitude, or is it a situation where so much time has passed that, you know, it's kind of forgotten about? I don't know, or maybe one of them isn't even playing because of injury, who knows? Maybe one of them's traded, you know, you don't know. So uh, I don't know. I, I, it's it's a game that I think that might be circled on some people's calendars to watch, or maybe it's circled on Stetcher's calendar because he he wants he, he wants redemption. But uh, you know, it, it's certainly not uh, a battle of Alberta type thing. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, when that when that when that date does come.
0: Yeah, we haven't really had something like that since uh, the Rangers with Tom Wilson. Uh, yeah. A couple of years ago where it was an immediate line brawl right off the face off after, after, I forget what he initially did um, in the game before. Um, but Tom he, Wilson's he, obviously.
1: He, I think he punched somebody on, on the back of the head. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was on I on actually on a different podcast and we were on with uh, Kiprios. We were talking, I was talking with Kiprios and Kiprios was kind of on the side of Tom Wilson, that old school mentality where it's like talk. you know, he was giving, he was giving a hard time to the goalie you know, Tom Wilson get back. It's not that big of a deal. Whereas I'm kind of like, well, it is a big deal. His head was on the ice. That could have been a really dangerous play. There's a stuck, a stick literally underneath his neck. That that could have been a very dangerous situation. You know, I remember watching the uh Derek Moore, Todd Bertuzzi thing live when it happened and the aftermath of all that. And I would never want to see that happen to another guy again, ever. I was at the game when uh uh Zednik got his throat cut in Buffalo. I was at that game as well. And you know, that was not fun to watch, you know, like, you know, sucks the atmosphere right out of the building, you know, and uh, would hate to see somebody, you know, lose their career over something like that. But it also a uh, double-edged sword. It also is fun, you know, to have a line brawl in hockey sometimes, at least as a fan. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely trending away from that. Um, but a guy like
0: Tom Wilson uh, and even Zegers, as much of a star as he is, like he's got a mouth on it. Um, hopefully not to that extent. Um but yeah, I, I don't think he's afraid to shy away from anyone. That's for sure. He's yeah. I don't know if you remember the comments he made before the U.S. Canada World Junior game um, a couple of years ago, where U.S. eventually won. I think it was two nothing. But he walked into the Canadian arena and said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take them deep. We're gonna forecheck them. We're tougher than them. We're better than them, and we're gonna come in and we're gonna win." And obviously, I I think that's the type of thing that's good for the game. You know, it creates ri- rivalries. It creates interest. But I think we can all agree that any type of specifically personal attacks towards somebody's family or anything like that is, is, unacceptable.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it definitely is unacceptable. Um, you know, I personally, I mean, I I've been, I've had longer hair now uh, since I started growing out to donate uh, for five, six years. It's been longer than that now, man. I'm, on, I'm closing on year three with my, my hair right now, but um, you know, I yeah I get comments every once in a while my hair you know sweet ponytail douchebag stuff like that like because like you know I put my hair in a bun when I, underneath my helmet I don't wear it down but uh, you know it's that's about as bad as it gets honestly or uh, if somebody knows like who I am they'll say I want you cry about it on the radio or something like that I get that every once in a while stupid shit like that but other than that man I've never really had a situation where a line was like crossed um, thankfully you know, I would never want to be put in that position, but there definitely is a line. And, uh, you know, I've seen other players that I've played with, you know, have that line crossed with them. And I've seen them cross that line as well. I've seen pretty lengthy suspensions because of it. So, uh, you know, hopefully I, again, I hope that whatever was said, it's, it's, it's been kind of blown out of proportion. Uh, You know, you hate to see that stuff, especially with a guy like Zerus, who you want to grow the game, but you Know, but we'll see. I'm sure at some point it's going to come out, right? It'll come out for it sure. Everywhere, so yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, one more thing to cover uh, obviously, before we head into Wednesday's preview like our just our predictions for how Wednesday night might go against the uh, the Hurricanes. Bobby Hall, uh, the Golden Jet, just pissed, to, uh, actually, pissed away. Some people might prefer to oh, say yeah. it that way, uh, passed away at the age of 84 uh obviously most known known for his career with chicago and then when he went to play for winnipeg when uh the the inception of the uh, wha and then he ended his career i think one year with winnipeg when he made the you know the nhl bought i think it bought him out and you know they absorbed those teams from the wha and then uh, i think he ended his career with hartford um very controversial off the ice phenomenal hockey player on the ice and we talked about lines right before this. I, it's difficult because you wish, and I, I saw, um, I want to say uh, it was maybe a, a niece or a granddaughter, a Bobby Hull. She made a, she tweeted about it. You know, it really sucks that, you know, t- barely 12 hours after, you know, he passed away. We have to read this stuff online, you know, you know, thanks for the tweet though. It was, you know, you, you look at that and you feel simply empathetic for her because it's like, you know, that's her family. She loves that person. You know, should they have to read all this crap on social media about what they've done in their past and things they've said. Uh, But in the same breath, as a fan of the sport, how do you remember a guy like Bobby Hall? Do you remember him for being one of the greatest goal scorers the league has ever seen? Do you remember him being like an ambassador for the game on the ice? Or do you remember him for all the domestic violence off the ice with, you know, wives and girlfriends. And then obviously the the disparaging, very controversial and honestly, straight up disgusting comments he made about, you know, Adolf Hitler, you know, almost kind of like as a Adolf Hitler sympathizer and, you know, how he had good ideas essentially. So I think you're, it's, you're allowed to do both. Obviously his
0: hockey career, I think largely um, came before all of that happened. Um, like when we were putting up the story yesterday, uh, on TMZ, when he died, I was helping my producer write it and we were going through all the hockey stats. We were going through everything else. And in the process, like I'd remembered kind of what happened, but I, I didn't get into the specific details. I didn't, I didn't know them clearly, clearly. So I had to go back and read a few articles and typically with obituaries on our website, we don't usually get into controversies like that. We'll just yeah. say the say the facts for what they are. Post the story and just let it be. The the person died, obviously. Um, But yesterday we we did add a line at the end that his personality and even he was an ambassador for the Blackhawks and he was removed as an ambassador for the team uh, in February of 2022. So a little less than a year ago, partially because of all of these controversies. Like you said, um, more than one instance of alleged domestic violence. Um he called the comments uh that he said I think Hitler didn't have that many bad ideas. Yeah. All those uh statements um which were relayed by a Russian newspaper, apparently. He called them defamatory and false. So he's the one that is trying to, I mean, obviously, nobody wants to be associated with those comments. Um, but there was enough smoke in the process of us posting the story yesterday. Uh, related to his off the ice controversies Uh, post his NHL career that we thought it was worth it to put that line in uh, because it seemed as though that he's sullied his reputation enough or he did before he passed. Obviously that um, it really affected a lot of people. Of course, you don't want to offend the family. You don't want to offend those that are close to him. But at the same time, it seems as though that a lot of this stuff was so horrible that yeah. at least worth mentioning and you can talk about it. You obviously never want that type of thing to happen. And of course it is not related to who he was on the ice. Uh, but at the same time, like I I think it would be irresponsible to not even mention it uh, because that did shape who he was as a person and his reputation um, towards the end of his life.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's kind of like in Buffalo here, uh, you know, the reputation of Jim Kelly. You know, many people outside of the city of Buffalo remember him as a Hall of Fame quarterback, remember the years against Miami and Dan Marino, the rivalry that existed that in, in the AFC East between Buffalo and the Dolphins, uh, and how exciting football was. For, you know, you worked on the Four Falls of Buffalo and how of a great, exciting time it was to be a Bills fan in those, during those years. But here in Buffalo, like, we're not blind. At least I would, I would hope people aren't blind to the fact that he was kind of a, not kind of, he was a shitty human being. He was not a good husband. You know, I I don't know how that transcended into fatherhood, but you know, there was a lot of domestic violence involved in his, his, his life off, off the field. And, you know, you want to try, I think it's a different, I don't like to say it's different than what is going on with Bobby Hull, but in the same breath for a lot of bills fans, can you separate the player from the human being? You know, it's difficult sometimes. And, You know, for some people, maybe it's easier to make that separation. But for me, when it comes to Jim Kelly, uh, I'll always remember him as a great quarterback, but a shitty human being. And I'm not I won't idolize him. And I, I even said this to you. This is you know, this is the reason why I don't idolize athletes, because they'll always let you down. They will almost always let you down. There isn't a single human being athlete or not out there. That's perfect. Who isn't going to make mistakes. And especially in today's world of, uh, as you, as you would know, social media, you know, everybody has a, vid, a camera, a camera or video recorder on their phone. to catch everybody's mistake as it's happening in real time. Um, you know, it's impossible to be perfect. You know, there's no way there. Everybody's imperfect. And, you know, you, that's why I just refuse to idolize. Uh, celebrities and human and, and, and athletes, because at the end of the day, they'll let you down.
0: Yeah, it makes sense, and it obviously it makes it tough when when they finally do pass, like like in this situation of Bobby Hall. Um, even Brett Hall released a statement yesterday uh, talking about how he was a great father to him and a, and a role model, and of course, like he went on to have arguably a better career. Um, I, I wouldn't even say it's arguable. Brett Hall is obviously one of the greatest American players of all time, yeah. um, but they had. We don't
1: talk about it here in Buffalo very yeah, much. Yeah, we time. don't,
0: but at the same time, like you can't deny it aside from that
1: can, you can. that
0: that what that one instance. But um yeah, I mean it seems like they had a, a pretty good relationship. It seems like his grandchildren and their other siblings and their family, like, of course, they might view him differently. But at the same time, for us as fans, you can't ignore when reports uh like that come out, uh, as a human being yourself with your own set of ethics and morals. You can it's It can be subjective, but also when there's instances of domestic violence, which can be proven, you can look at a situation objectively and be like, hey, this guy might not have been a good dude. Or he might have been a very bad dude, but a very good hockey player. And we can do that with football. We can do that with any other sport. It's partially the reason my job exists is because athletes mess up all the time, just like everyone else. Uh, They make mistakes. They get arrested. They get DUIs. A lot of stuff happens all the time and you don't want that to happen, but given that they are public figures and their lives are out in the open for all of us to see and admire, like, like you said, in your case, you don't admire athletes, but a lot of people do. Um, So the level of expectation for a public figure is obviously much different than a private figure, like, like you and me or anybody else who follows these teams. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky subject. You obviously don't want to be insensitive or, Uh, selling the reputation of someone who just died 12 hours later. But at the same time, like, I think you can compartmentalize certain situations and look at them for what they are. And in this case, Bobby Hall was a great hockey player, but a very, very controversial person off the ice.
1: Very much so. Um, Yeah, and, you know, I I discussed with you before we went live uh, here is, you know, I have a tattoo of, you know, we're both Red Sox fans, you know, uh, which is pretty cool. But, uh, you know, I have a tattoo on my arm right here of, Jason Veritek punching A Rod from back in two thousand and four, the year they you know finally uh, the Red Sox you know broke the curse of the Great Bambino. Um, very uh, a, a moment and a year that was very near and dear to my own grandfather's heart, which is why I got that tattooed on my arm. And I had extensive plans, you know, for the rest of that half sleeve, uh, starting with as I told you, you know, I was going to. I, I, I might still get the, the logo, but I was planning on getting a sock. Hanging from the back hook of the B from the Boston Red Sox logo, and from the heel of that sock was going to be dripping blood, signifying the bloody sock game where Kurt Schilling came back just a few short days after having ankle surgery to pitch a gem to help the Red Sox in their route to beating the Yankees and winning the World Series. Uh, to go on to win the World Series, but you know he he's come out with also varied you know, and that it wasn't something written by a like a, a Russian. Uh, new syndicate it was from his own mouth and i believe a podcast or in some some type of uh some type of uh uh newspaper or magazine you know he's very anti-semitic and you know for me i would have loved to you know been able as a fan to remember that moment for what it was but then by doing so you're also remembering that guy and associating with that guy and the way he talks about an entire race of people and I can't, I can't, I personally, at least myself, I can't justify getting that tattoo and my feelings are quite the opposite uh, of Kurt Schilling. So it, it's a similar situation, you know, it, Bobby Hull, you, you, you want to remember him for just the, you know, lethal scoring ability. Uh, remember him as the golden jet, a guy who helped put Chicago hockey along with Stan Makita on the map um, as an original six team. But again, how do you separate the player from the controversy? And it's a question we're always going to be asking ourselves. And I, I, I would, I would expect that these families and these players that are still alive that uh, you know, have controversy that surround them. They probably think, thank heavens that social media and these, this technology didn't exist back then because, you know, their hands would be caught in the cookie jar a lot more would have been caught in the cookie jar a lot more often, so to speak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say uh, the internet, social media, uh, everyone having a, a camera and a phone in their pocket has, has changed yeah. everything. But at the end of the day, uh, just like we all want to be good humans, I, I think a lot of these guys should have the same expectation and they should be held to the same or even a higher standard. Uh, so, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a really interesting conversation, and it's not going to be the last time this happens. Um, there's going to be a lot of deaths, especially for, for athletes throughout history moving forward and, and we'll see what happens and what those conversations are. But specifically with this one, I wasn't completely privy to everything. Uh, right as it happened, and then as it happened, yeah. I thought it was worth it enough to at least mention it. Um, yeah. and I saw a lot of stories do the exact same thing. Yes yeah. and every everybody else felt it was worth it to mention it too. Yes. Yeah.
1: So. And I was in the same boat as you uh, you know I tweeted out, you know, it was the the famous picture with him missing his, you know, his front row, front row of his teeth holding up that puck in black and white. I tweeted out that picture uh, and I broke down his stats, you know, you know, he had between both the NHL and the WHA, he had, you know, this many points and, you know, the golden jet. Yeah, I wasn't privy like you to all the domestic violence that, you know, that he committed throughout his life. And then obviously the very, again, you know, again, it was reported, but he, even though he denies it, the, comments he made that essentially made him a Nazi and hit Adolf Hitler sympathizer, uh, that really, you know, put an asterisk essentially next to his career in terms of how he'll be remembered. And the first three comments right away, it was all related to that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, hockey lost, you know, a great, a great ambassador for the game, lost a legend. It was all of that. I had no idea about it. And then I went looked at it, was like, Holy shit. I had to make the executive decision as a representative for my show. I took it down because I just, I didn't want to. I hate, I don't say I hate saying it, but sympathize the passing of a person who would be remembered for so many terrible things rather than what he did on the ice. And I didn't want to open Pandora's box in that thread because it was almost immediately the moment I posted it that. The thread started, and I just like, you know what? Uh, you know, I'll rewrite something, you know, you know, just you know, kind of like what you guys, I guess, did with TMZ. Uh, maybe it's a little bit more empathetic, less empathetic, but uh, it, it's again, it's, it's 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 a tough line, it's a tough separation from player to player from controversy. So, but uh, moving on, uh, our last topic, obviously, is obviously Wednesday night against the Carolina Hurricanes. We spoke on a little bit earlier before but we talked about how much of a test this is going to be for the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, you know, that top line is constantly rolling and sometimes it's a little bit more difficult for, as it would be for any team for them to, you know, to compete with the best teams in the league. If that top, uh, top line isn't rolling, Tage Thompson did miss practice uh, this week uh, due to a, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it was a, mentioned, it was an upper body or lower body. injury. But he, was, uh, he was he was back uh, practice today, before. yeah. And then Samuelson, I'm not sure if he was back at practice today. But some Cousins and
0: and Tage were all back practice today. Okay,
1: so I mean that's big to go in there with a healthy lineup. Obviously, uh, Carolina uh, without Jacob Slavin will possibly looking at a backup goaltender. Uh, who knows who that's going to be? But you know, what are your predictions and what do you think Buffalo? how, how do you think they need to play? Uh, in order to go into the All Star break, you know, with a win, and obviously taking not just seven out of the last eight possible points, but nine out of the last uh, out of the last ten.
0: Um. Well, the Hurricanes are currently getting it taken to them by the Kings. They're down four-one, um, in the second period right now. Uh, oh. the King. They were up one nothing after one, and the Kings have scored four in the second period. Um. So just looking at it. Logically, um, Sabers have had, I think, three days of rest now after the game on Saturday night. They will they will have had three days of rest by puck drop tomorrow night. Um, and the Canes will, after a very tough game tonight against one of the better, more physical teams in the league, in the Kings, coming off a of back to back. So, getting on them early would I would I would say would be essential. Um, getting after a team in a well balanced lineup that can score from anywhere. I was just looking at their their stats for the season. They have 11 guys with 20 points um, and not a single guy who has a point-per-game pace. Obviously, they have Marty Natchez and Sebastian Ajo who get most of their goals and their assists and their points, but they have an incredibly well-balanced lineup and obviously a very good defensive system. Um, Slavin isn't playing tonight, so that that would be be huge. But just looking at it for what it is in the current schedule structure, um, it's going to be a team that's potentially tired a team that might be a little upset given the fact that they might be getting run out of their own building right now. Um, so getting on them early, um, using that momentum from hopefully a full building, 19,000 people tomorrow yeah, at arena, yeah. I think would be massive. So getting a, a really good start in the first period would be essential moving forward, getting some confidence and then figuring out from there. But I think a hot start, getting pucks deep, um, obviously laying bodies against a, probably a pretty physical team is going to is going to do wonders
1: yeah i think i i agree i think you know using your speed to your advantage uh, controlling the neutral zone. And obviously that top line performing like a top line is going to be huge when it comes to Carolina because Carolina, they're a very disciplined hockey team. They don't take a ton of penalties. Uh, at least from what I remember, they don't, you know, last look, they don't take a ton of penalties. And, um, but they, like you said before, they are struggling on their, with their own first power, first and second power play units where Buffalo, they, they have shown to be hot and cold at times, but when that first line is rolling and you know, they, obviously when Dylan Cousins, uh, left that game with an injury. Uh, they they tried out Olison on that opposite side of Tage, and I would love to see more of that. Just because I think when you do that, you you have to show respect for both sides, and it's, it tends to open up things in the middle. Uh, and you, you can open up Tage more for that shot that has proven to be so lethal. And when he gets when he when he gets enough uh, you know momentum behind it and gets it off uh, with time, uh, it's almost impossible to stop for any goaltender.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was I was just listening to something today about the Sabres power play. Um obviously they have Dallen at the top quarterbacking, uh, of mm-hmm. course, because of his puck skills and his vision. And Tage has obviously scored a lot of goals with one timer from the flank there. But it seems like teams are cheating towards that side of the ice now because yeah. they know what's coming. Um and the Sabres, it seems at at least in part, have shown an unwillingness. To change their structure on the power play, obviously yep. putting Olsson on the other side. Of course, like he's that's his spot, and he scores a lot of goals from the right side with it with a one timer. But I don't know. I you, you obviously need a guy in front. Uh, Skinner's great in front. Tucks great down low. Um, but I I think they need to at least be willing to look at what a, a penalty kill unit is doing, whether it's shading towards Tage shading towards Olafson one Cousins is back doing something else. But I think teams are at least starting to figure out what we're trying to do. And I think it would be beneficial to at least like have some type of other uh, power play system moving forward. Because if like we said with the Islanders, if your power play is not going, it's going to be really, really detrimental to to your offense.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, that power play unit has been so important to their success this season, uh, and let's be real: their their special teams have not been their bread and butter over the last like four or five, six years. There have been tons of inconsistencies, even when you had Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner and you know Sam Reinhart on a line together. Uh, it's definitely for any team that's in a sustained success, especially in the playoffs. Your power play is so much more important in a playoff run. Uh, finding goals on special teams, uh even when you're shorthanded. Uh it's it's just so it's almost sometimes as important as goaltending. And uh Buffalo's power play unit when they're rolling, when that first unit is rolling, uh it's one of the top units in the league. So I, I couldn't agree with you more there when it comes to the the first the, the first unit for sure. Um I think there's definitely more to be left to be desired on that second unit, but uh the first unit for sure you need you need 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 that clicking at, in all cat you know in, in all from all uh five players on that first unit especially dalling because sometimes Dolly even quarterbacks the second unit uh and a guy who again we we touched on his letter earlier tonight, earlier uh in the episode a guy who has been just as important if not more important than tage thompson to this team anchoring that for that that blue line in all situations he does play on the penalty two penalty kill as well uh he has become such a complete defenseman under don granado and honestly, if if it wasn't for Connor McDavid having the season he's had, um, I think, you know, the players in terms of that would be in conversations for the Hart Trophy, I think you would have Dalene up there as well because getting this team to the playoffs, um, Tage Thompson's absolutely a nominee, but I think you would have to even consider Rasmus Dalim because he's been just as important. And, you know, I'm not trying to take, you know, take any shine off what Eric Carlson's done in his resurgence with the San Jose, another guy who might be on the trade block. If a team, you know, that Buffalo has been tied to as well because of their cap space. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the year that Connor McDavid's had, I think he'd be in the conversation as well.
0: Yeah. I I think he's absolutely going to be a top three vote for the Norris. Um, we'll, oh, see if, we'll see if uh, Carlson's point production, is is gonna gonna weigh that much i mean i I, w- I would hope not in terms of him being on a team that obviously isn't going to be in contention and like you said like who knows if he'll even be on the sharks anymore gotta yeah. love them on the Sabers. um I, I don't know i think that's probably you have dream. to retain half his salary yeah that i think that's a bit of a pipe dream uh just putting him and Dowling together right just would be Do, would you bre- would you break up him and samuelson i mean i don't know if you would i don't I know if you would, would. i don't know if you, would. Would. You, you might put him with power um I'm just talking about on the power play. Oh, yeah, for sure. sure yeah. In, in, any, in any other instance, the two of them together, two Swedish defensemen, two oh. unbelievable prospects from the time they were 16 years old. That would just be, that would be.
1: And, and Darlene, it was, you know, Carlson was a guy that Darlene drew many comparisons of yeah. uh, when he was drafted. Even like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, how about that how about the the, the the skill that's come from that position out of Sweden too as well Crazy. even dating back to Lindstrom. It's just been sure Victor Hadman. Um oh, yeah. it's
0: amazing. Um it's really unbelievable. But uh yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, we've been waiting for two to three seasons for Delling to to come into form and what he's been able to accomplish this season. Not only offensively, defensively he's been pretty yeah. unbelievable as well, throwing the body around, being more responsible on the back door. Um I think he's he's really showing
1: why he was such a generational
0: prospect So and, it's what to have,
1: and have to have him and Owen power potentially for the next like decade is going to be so much fun because you know, yeah, we're not getting everything offensively that maybe you would desire from Owen power, but in the same breath, man, when he is when he is out there playing with some swagger and doing the things that made him a first overall pick at Michigan from out of Michigan, you know, you see, he's not afraid to go to the net. Nope. In any situation, he's not afraid to set on the doorstep. He's done it a couple of times more recently, more, more recently than he has uh, throughout the rest of the season. But I remember watching him a lot at Michigan. And that was one of that was his bread and butter sneaking to the front of that, not using his size and, you know, getting himself open on that back door or there for a rebound opportunity. And he's, he's doing that right now. And I think Buffalo needs more of that. And just the thought of a guy like Carlson being paired with that, just that lethal, the lethal. The lethal one-two punch you'll have from your top two pairings. Oh man, <laughs> that's something that's something to drool over.
0: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get my hopes up too
1: much on that one. No, well, no, no, no. But it's a it be, it but it, yeah,
0: it would, it would it would be unbelievable. But, but yeah,
1: like, potentially. I mean, right now, Buffalo would probably be the only team cap space wise that that's can right. make that, that type of a deal work, and Absolutely. they would have to retain half his salary. I think it's like eleven or 12 and twelve and a half. Some something insane number. He's one of the top paid players in the league. Yeah. When he's healthy, he, you know, he, you know, it's not out of this, out of, you know, it's not crazy to think of him being one of the top players in the league. No. He was a generational talent. And uh, unfortunately, uh, ankle injuries, knee uh, injuries have kind of like hampered his career or not kind of have hampered his career. So, uh, yeah, but I, I got nothing left, man. I uh, hope you enjoyed your debut. Yeah. It's been
0: fun, man. Uh, definitely looking forward to uh rest of the season here. It's obviously an exciting time to be a, Sabres fan or even covering the team or I've read a lot of articles in the past, in the past few days, just, even if you're just a hockey fan, uh, this is the time to jump on the Sabres bandwagon. Um, We we do have some of the best fans in the league and a great hockey market, but this team's objectively fun and they're entertaining and they're exciting and they make you want to tune in every night and with games like tomorrow night and games, um, I'll be out in L.A. Uh, two two weeks from tonight. Uh, it's both at Staples Center against the Kings and two nights later out here against the Ducks. Um, I'll be in person for both of those games, which will be unbelievable, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But, yeah, it's an exciting time to be a, a Sabres fan, that's for sure.
1: For sure, for sure. And Connor will also be joining me tomorrow night for the post game. Uh, for I'll Hang Up and Listen. Right after the Carolina Hurricanes, will also be joined by Jacob Micah. Uh, you know, also part of the two goalies one Mike team. Uh, normally it's just me kind of going solo with those, so it'll be fun to have two other guys to bounce uh, bounce, you know, feelings of you know how the game went off of. Uh, be a lot of fun. So, uh, with that being said, man, I, I got nothing left. Uh, it's been a blast, and uh can't wait to do this again. Hopefully next time with Kali. All right, we'll see you. All right, guys, this has been episode 114 of Two Goalies One Mike, brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia Blum Boulevard. Uh, Don't haste. Get over there. Buy a case for all your Sabres game night needs or your Super Bowl needs. Uh, With that being said, I only got three words for you. Let's go, Buffalo.